0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Welcome everyone to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., maybe the world, broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe. And for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guests. Of course, we're very grateful as well for our sponsors. We have PM Master Prep as a sponsor of our show. And Scott Payne has been such a great partner with us. And we're excited to have him and his team. And they offer some great solutions for helping you prepare for the PMP exam. I'd like to give Scott a moment to share a little bit about his organization.
0: If you're studying for the PMP exam, how excited are you to memorize the 756 pages of the PMBOK? You see, when I was studying, I realized that cramming facts in my head wasn't only not going to help me pass, but it wasn't going to make me a better project manager. So I abandoned what the experts told me, and I created a method that delivered an above-target score without memorizing a thing. You heard me, memorizing nothing. The power of my method is in three simple changes that help you make and cement all the connections you need to ace the exam's situational questions. I've distilled my method into a book, e-course simulator and training class that transforms how you or your team learn PMP. My name is Scott Payne, and I want you to be successful in the PMP exam. Go to pmmasterprep.com and learn how my PMP training method works. And use the code PMOJOE to receive 20% off every product that will make you battle ready for the PMP exam. So it's great to have Scott and the
1: PM Master Prep team on board with us. And of course, what an amazing offer they have for the listeners. 20% off all of their services. Visit pmmasterprep.com and use promo code Joe. Of course, the PMO Squad is also a sponsor of ours, and they're the home of the Purpose Driven PMO. And the Purpose Driven PMO empowers people to deliver results. Please visit www.thepmosquad.com to learn more about all the services that the PMO Squad offers. I also want to mention uh, there's an upcoming event here in the local Phoenix community that the Phoenix PMI chapter is hosting. It's their inaugural military outreach golf event. That's going to be on September 27th at 7 a.m. at the Falcon Dunes Golf Club out near Luke Air Force Base. After the golf tournament, Eric Wright and I will be speaking to uh, the members who attend. Uh, We're going to be talking about VPMMA, the Veteran Project Manager Mentoring Alliance. Proudly wearing my VPMMA shirt today. Um, So you can go out and register for that golf event at phx-pmi.org. Register for the golf event, and we hope to see you out there. Should be a lot of fun. Also going to be a lot of fun is our show today. Super excited to have with a special guest, Colin Ellis and Deborah Hildebrand. Welcome. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. By the way, I thought VP MMA was some kind of, I don't know, cage project management
0: fighting thing. <laughs> you had me interested for a minute there, and then I was like, oh, no. Okay.
2: Now you're not right. interested?
1: Hey. <laughs> no. Nah. We all know how project management always ends in a brawl, right? So <laughs> the best projects always start with a fight, Joe. Yeah, that's right. So, Colin is joining us from live from Australia. That's why we're on at 3 today as opposed to our normal 11 time. We didn't want him to get up at 4 a.m. because that might have started a brawl. Uh, So local time about 8 a.m. out in Australia. So, Colin, thanks for joining us. And then take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you Joe, and thanks for adjusting the time. I really do appreciate it, although I would have joined up four, I was just getting in from a night out <laughs> um, so I am a, a professional project management speaker
2: and a, and a best selling author uh, you know former project manager myself.
1: I worked my way up the ranks project manager program manager pmo manager, and headed up large project departments in the in government and in the private sector and i did that for twenty years, and I now
2: travel around the world.
1: Uh, I, I shed, in, shed in light on what needs to change in in project management in an honest way, but also making sure that we have a few laughs along the way. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and and also the book, the project book, mm. the complete guide to consistently delivering great projects, is a is an awesome read. I'm in the middle of it right now. Uh, thank you for my copy, and can't wait to talk a little bit more about that today. So we keep going. Awesome, thank you, Joe. And uh, Deborah Hildebrand, please take a moment to say hello to the listeners.
2: Hi, everybody. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. My name is Deborah Hildebrand. I have a background in management consulting, about 20 years of consulting in mostly the public sector. Uh, Now I do a lot of um, training. Project management training um, for corporations. Uh, and I also teach at a couple universities University of Washington for their business school, um, and also Stanford University. I teach project management courses, mostly introductory project management courses.
1: Awesome. Thank you for being with us. And Deborah and I know each other for a while now and actually working on a top secret uh, project at the current <laughs> Very time. Very
2: top secret.
1: Uh, but in the next. <laughs> Uh, next few months, I, I think we'll be coming out with something related to the purpose-driven PMO that hopefully everybody will be interested in knowing more about. So let's talk some project management. Uh, Colin, uh, again, thanks for joining us from Australia and and your book. And as I was reading the book, uh, something that was really interesting for me was project leader versus project manager. And I'm wondering, I think to prove we're a live show, I think we just dropped Colin, so we're going to get him back. But Deborah, (laughs) let's chat about that, right? From, From your experiences as well, project leadership versus project management.
2: Right. So when I think of a manager versus a leader, uh, a manager would be someone who um, checks off the lists and uh, makes sure the tasks are done. Um, A leader is somebody who is leading the team and supporting their team and being uh, a good example, right? Not only making sure that things are getting done, but making sure that the team gets what they need and that um, they are Um, cohesive and collaborative, all those good things that leaders do.
1: Yeah, and I I think about that as well, right? Just early in my career, I was probably more project manager. Mm -hmm. I was following the checklist. I was doing what needed to get done to make sure the progress of the project was marching along. But I wasn't taking into account the team, right, and how to best utilize the team and how to motivate the team properly. And a lot of those skill sets and techniques come into play with experience because now you're in more of a leadership position, right? And to me, I think that's kind of the where the the separates the good versus the great comes in, right? right.
2: And and that's why I appreciate the work that Colin's doing because uh, you know a lot of people just think about getting things done and checking off the list and not about you know where the team's at. So I think now uh, as project managers, we need to start being project leaders. And reading Colin's book is a great way to start. And, uh, you know, studying up on leadership and taking leadership training, uh, communication training, all of that good stuff.
1: In our last show, thinking about that, right, we had Nicholas Breeson on who has uh, helped with his partner create a tool called Stereo to capture surveys and feedback mm-hmm. and a continuous feedback feedback loop for both the team and for sponsors. And then also Catherine Halpin was on, who uses CVI, the core value index, to measure the types of personalities and characteristics that we as individuals respond to. Past guests, uh, Belinda Goodrich and Steve Fulmer and upcoming guests, Barbara Troutline, all of these folks are all more on the soft side of project Mm -hmm. management, which helps us be better at leadership. Right, and in our industry, all of the training seems to be geared towards the technical side, right. the management of it. Yeah. Right,
2: how to develop a schedule, how to build a budget, <laughs> how to do earned value management. Yeah, um, and you know, for me, the biggest turn in my career was when I did a 360-degree um, assessment. You ever done one of those?
1: I have. Right, yeah, sometimes it just that's opened painful. my <laughs> eyes
2: completely. While well, it was very painful, yeah. but it opened my eyes completely, and uh, and then you know, I had to start thinking about delegating, not doing everything myself, thinking about what my what my teammates needed and what they were good at. And uh, so, you know, that was a big turning point for me. So,
1: so I'm, I'm curious a little bit right here. As you mentioned, you speak or not speak, teach and mm-hmm. instruct at Stanford and University of Washington. Right. So the people you're teaching are trying to learn about project management. How How do you do that? Right. I mean, because I'm assuming it's A combination of the technical and the non-technical. Can you explain a little bit more about the details of how the coursework is? So uh,
2: so the course, so the first course I taught at the University of Washington was for the business school. Um, And when I started, it was about 12 students. Um, And within three years, I built it up to, you know, one, two sections with a waiting list. Oh, wow. um, And that was mostly because we didn't just do the technical coursework. Uh, We actually brought the community into the classroom, uh, and they had to learn, that was my biggest goal, was that they had to learn how to deal with stakeholders. So they, uh, I put those students into teams, and they had to work with an organization on a project. So they, I would, bring in the organizations, and they would pick a project, and then they would have to spend the quarter using what they learned with that organization. And so the biggest challenge for them was communicating with the organization, getting that work done, working as a team. Uh, The rest of it, the stuff they were learning, you know, building a schedule and uh, doing the scope, things like that, uh, you know, wasn't a big problem. But Learning to deal with the with the with the organization, the people in the organization, and um, and working as a team as well were were their biggest challenges. So,
1: and these aren't PMP prep courses, no. right? This is a full blown and uh, credit driven class that helps them towards their degree program, correct?
2: Right, so uh, the PMP courses, which I I teach those as well, so I don't have anything against them. Yeah. but they're they're for more experienced project managers who uh, need to pass a test, right, sure. and learn how PMI wants them to manage projects. Um, and so, what I train, uh, even when I train um, corporate training. I do a specialized training course. So I learn how the business works, uh, and then I have, well, I have, you know, a standardized course, and then I tweak it to match um, uh, that organization and how they do their work and their culture, obviously. Uh, but it is a a course on how to practically manage a project. It's not a, a PMP exam prep course.
1: And, and what's... How- you know, we had Dr. Harold Kersner in on uh, the Love show. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was probably a year ago or so. And we had talked about the challenge we have is nobody's teaching project management in high school and it's in some universities, right. but it's certainly not widespread like an MBA. Why not? Right? I mean, we need this. And he had shared that when they had started doing some uh, training or he was approached about doing training in universities. The problem was the instructors didn't have enough experience. Right. And they were sitting in a room full of people who had more experience than they had. Mm-hmm. How Have you found anything? Obviously, you have experience and your backgrounds in that, but others within the industry or at your universities, are, is there anything similar to that?
2: I've found that project management um, in the universities is mostly in the continuing studies program so my class was actually part of a bachelor's degree at the University of Washington and there was only one class on project management i thought there should have been more it's it's a, it's actually a topic that's more advanced even for business students um, but i think at least one class like the one we we have at the University of Washington so they can get exposed to it at the undergraduate level but i think once people get into the master's level that they, they should have more choices as far as project management courses, really like City University of Seattle, which is mostly an online school, is really the only place where I've seen like a full-blown bachelor's and master's degree in in project management. The instructors, like you said, a lot of them are PhDs who, you know, go through school themselves and never really get uh, any work experience. And since there aren't any, since there aren't any, um, uh, uh programs for project management in the universities then they don't get trained in it either. So yeah, that is a huge problem and and I I've, I've seen it become larger just because of the demand. So for instance, at the University of Washington, the project management program is the largest program in the continuing studies um department. So and and I mean by far the largest. I think data analytics is cr- is catching up with us. Yeah. Um and, and again, just because there's really no undergraduate or graduate uh, programs in data analytics either. So, so yeah, I, I agree with Kirzner. Uh, it, there's, there probably is a lack of skill set in the, in the professors um, in teaching project management.
1: And we think about that, right? a majority of all the other professions out there, they get training through the university system, and then they come up into junior-type positions and gain experience and then eventually move on to a full-blown career, right? right? And they get experience. But in project management, you come into those professions, usually from some other degree, mm-hmm. and you are put into a position maybe as a project coordinator or business analyst, but you're not – how do they expect you to run a project? Right. You've had no training.
2: I love that. Yeah, it's very true
1: but what we where we can get some benefit is a lot of the university systems do teach leadership. Right. Right, and they do teach communication.
2: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: my undergraduate degree was in communication, my master's degree is in communication. Those type of skills aren't taught necessarily in the CPAs of right. the world, right? Right. So how how can we take the diversity of what we're getting out of college and universities? maybe non-traditional project management courses like communication and help build up the profession, right? The career to see how to, how to grow with that.
2: The way that I've seen that done is you do a mix of a business degree with, with a project management cor- track to it. Yeah. So, like, uh, so you know, if you do like a if you do like a business administration degree, and you're getting all those courses like leadership and communication and things like that, you can you can add on a project management minor to that, and then that way you're getting an overall well-balanced education. And you're not just getting project management, but you're also getting the business side and the leadership and the communication, which is so important. I mean, as a project manager, it's, I'm a way better project manager because I understand business. I have an MBA, right? So, so for me, I think that um, it shouldn't be just project management. It should be a mixture of the two.
1: Yeah, it certainly makes sense. And I can appreciate that and think back on my own career, how I've benefited from different roles I've been in to assist me with project management. And just for the listeners out there, an update on where we're at with Colin and why he magically disappeared (laughs) from the show. Uh, Not that we're anti-Australian or (laughs) anti-remote guest, but the Internet in the building has gone down. So uh, again, the the sometimes the joys of a live show is that you have to deal with technology in the world. So we certainly apologize for that, and we're working to uh, get that back up so that we can get Colin back online with us. So Great. until then, we're going to have fun here with Deborah. So that's okay. Woohoo! Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> Joe and I always have fun.
1: <laughs> so it, let's talk a little bit here about the the PMP because you also mentioned that you do some training for that, right? Kind of over the the span of your career, you, what's the evolution been like for that PMP training? I, you know, I think back to when I got it, it was like, you have to get this because right. it's required. We went through a recession, and then everybody was going to get it because mm-hmm. they had downtime. Where are we at now, and, and what's been your experience with that?
2: Well, I, I guess it depends on oh, what kind of industry you're in. Uh, I hear from... Uh, my students, you know at Stanford, in the Silicon Valley, that a PMP is not something you want to get if you want to work in Silicon Valley because that you know the startups there they they um, they associate that with somebody who is too rigid and um, and so they want they want somebody more of like a scrum master um, certification, something like that where they're more flexible. But I still see a really large demand for PMPs. I think that uh, in you know, um uh employers want to see that because it does show that you've made an effort to get educated. You have a lot you and you have a lot of experience because now they have you have to show, I don't know how many hours it is 5,000 hours if you don't have an undergraduate degree in project man- as a project manager. and then if you have a degree, it's 3,500 hours. Uh, so it does show that you have the experience and that you've put forth an effort in your education to get that certification. So I it's it it I think there is still a really large demand for that, especially you know like government is still very predictive, traditional based. Mm-hmm. Um, so PMPs and you know I when I do my corporate training, I'm always so surprised that they don't want agile training. They want they want the traditional predictive training. And I, and I said, well, they're the work you know like so data analysts. I do I do training for data analysts. I've done mm-hmm. that a few times. And I said, you know, their work is so um, relevant for Agile. You know, they should learn Agile. Oh, they'll learn that later. But I want them to learn the traditional predictive first. And I asked why, you know, it doesn't seem like it would match their work. And they said, because I want them to understand project management first, right? So I want us to have the whole organization to have a culture of project management. And so everybody needs to understand the basics first. And that's, for me, predictive is what you should learn first, and then go to Agile.
1: And it's interesting. I know within the PMO squad, we talk more about the focus on delivery Mm -hmm. as opposed to the technique. Right. Right. It's, they're both tools, and there's Mm -hmm. many more, right, within our toolbox to help us be successful. So it's interesting to hear organizations want to start one way and then perhaps go another. Understanding the concepts and and the uh, traditional approach, certainly I can understand that but if you're if you're gonna truly be an agile organization, there may not be any benefit to learning one and then transferring the other so but it's interesting i don't know i've I've never really thought about that transfer before
2: yeah well i I think a lot of organizations are doing hybrid now uh because it, it, uh really the the approach you take depends on the work you're doing right the project even within a project, you might do both so uh I think that a lot of organizations are starting to realize that they're trying, they're, you know, they thought they were going to go to Agile, but then they find that a lot of the work that they do just can't be done with Agile. So,
1: yeah, and that's where labels, I think, get in the way, right? Who right. cares what we call it?
2: Exactly. You're, you're
1: executing to get the project done, right? <laughs> exactly. You have a purpose. Right, and we're right. going to find out, Yes, <laughs> and then we're going to go execute to make sure that we achieve the purpose. Right, right. and then I'm right. going to pull out maybe some Six Sigma tools or maybe some mm-hmm. traditional tools, perhaps Agile tools, whatever tool you need. Let's use that. Right? Why right. do we have to label things? I th- I think it really gets in the way. I know Dmitry Pandamanarov, who is a guest on the show, who runs the Kanban Zone. Uh Dimitri is a Agilist and mm-hmm. he's pro-Agile, but he said, listen, when they're building my house, I do want them to do it Agile. Right. right. I want traditional project management to <laughs> exactly. construct my house. Right. It's a matter of using the right tool in the right situation. Right.
2: right. And, and, you know, there are so, like the, you know, the software development industry, Agile is perfect for that. Right. I mean... So I, you know, those types of organizations, I think that um, agile it suits them just fine to be an agile organization. But other industries, uh, it's it it fits in certain projects, certain situations, but not all of them. So,
1: well, and I guess going back to agile's roots, right, is it's not a project management methodology. No. It's, it's a mindset. Yeah, it's a mindset that's focused on software development and delivery. Right, right. and then project management. Was losing business air quotes to that, mm-hmm. so they said, "Let's adopt this. Let's <laughs>
2: let's
1: get agile project management." Right. And they have it in the PIMBOK. I now, know now right? it's in
2: the PIMBOK, right? And we have a supplement for Agile for the PIMBOK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, so people are worried about the the new the new test coming out in January because there's going to be more Agile in there. So, um, but you know, like I tell my students, because I teach both Agile and and predictive, uh, you need to learn both. Right? So if you're going to be a good project manager, it, even if you're never going to be managing an agile project or being a scrum master, you need to understand it because at some point you're going to be managing a hybrid project. So you better understand it.
1: Well, speaking of hybrid, right, let's talk training, right? There's, traditionally, training has been instructor-led. You're in a classroom, mm-hmm. uh, either on-site at your organization or off-site, and you get trained. But video is becoming Oh yeah, so much more popular now. Right? How is that? As a person that's obviously within that industry, what how has that changed?
2: So uh, it's slowly getting more self-paced and on demand. So I I'm seeing so for for me at the University of Washington, I I teach the what's called the self-paced modality of the project management certificate program, which is a nine-month uh, long program to get your certificate from the University of Washington for project management. So I I teach the self-paced, which is not really self-paced because they have to wait for me to grade. (laughs) It's hybrid. (laughs) Which, you know, sometimes I'm on vacation. I'm kidding. So anyway, uh, um, so, you know, it is self-paced. They get four months for each course. um, And and that's a new thing that we started last year. And that has actually overtaken the demand for the cohort online courses. So, the Uh-oh. online courses used to be really popular and now we're losing enrollment in those because everybody wants to do the self-paced. So, you know, people are busy and they want to do yeah. things on their own time. They don't want to go sit in front of an instructor for eight hours a day and, um, and listen to something that they're not going to really take in. So, so for me, when I teach my PMP certification courses, I've learned, you know, from teaching the the at the University of Washington, I do uh, what I call a hybrid certification training. So I it's basically self paced, but you also have access to me, and it's structured. So each week there are topics that you have to do, and then we have an office hours every Tuesday, and you have access to me through the discussion boards and email. So it's not. It's not the one where you're sitting in front of a, an instructor and getting lectured at. And it's not where you're just getting left out in the cold and you get three months and then you know you're done. So, um, so that's, that's something that I've come up with just based on my teaching at the University of Washington um, that I think works really well because it allows them to be at their own pace, but also have a structure and access to the instructor.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I like that approach too. It's, but it's taking that accountability. Right. Putting it on the student.
2: Exactly. Right.
1: Because, you know, they pay for the course and they yep. decide not to self-pace themselves and they <laughs> wait to the end and perhaps, uh, you know, have wasted money at that point.
2: Right. And so I still put a little bit of structure in there. They need to get through the topics each week, but at their own pace. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they want to do everything Sunday night, fine. Right. Um, that's up to them.
1: And is that, so this is within the university setting, is this same sort of trend happening in organizations? Have you seen anything related to?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, Video training? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, we were talking earlier about uh, the, the tool Articulate. 360, which is an, a, a beautiful tool to do um, story storyboards, things like that, um, and really interactive training with videos. So it's not just uh, what we used to do, which was an instructor sitting in front of a camera and talking, right, which is the same thing as getting a lecture. So now they're doing interactive animated videos with exercises and you know little quizzes in there and interaction with the with the um with the learning so
1: yeah we had i I didn't attend this but i saw locally here in Arizona the uh, AZ Tech Council just had their CEO retreat last week and one of the speakers wasn't able to attend in person and they projected an avatar for him to present right even though he wasn't there so i mean there's all of these i guess technology is bringing the world to us wherever we are know, and, and wherever the attendees need to be
2: right it's 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 wonderful and the tools out there are so just just really awesome and easy to use to build those types of courses uh and so you know, in the in in the organizations, yeah, um, they are going towards, and they're and they're actually hiring instructional designers as a full time job to build those videos, those educational videos. Uh, so it's instructional design design is is a big big hot um, career now.
1: So Well, that's, you know, everybody wonders, hey, we're all going to be replaced by robots. You know, <laughs> we, we keep reinventing industries that require human intervention, right? So there's another example of a technology advance leads to more opportunities for folks
0: Absolutely. to
1: get into careers. Right, right. So, you know, one thing, another, I, I haven't, it's been a long time since I was in college, right, and, uh-huh. and taken courses. But I think back to those experiences And it was all lecture, as we've talked about, right? There wasn't video. There wasn't all that. But there wasn't anything about the industries, right? The industries didn't come in. There was no community aspect to the training, right? So uh, I took economics classes. Well, we didn't get anybody from the economics industry that would come share industry information to us, right? All textbook. Are you seeing anything like that from within the project management community coming into the instruction and helping with the courses.
2: So I guess it depends on the instructor. Well, you've joined what my courses. Maybe it was yes, a lead. Maybe, maybe I already do so the answer
1: great. to that question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so as an instructor, I bring in people uh, that I know from the industry to do uh, lectures. Like I, I, I'm going. I have already invited Colin to come in and talk to my students at Stanford. Uh, you have come. as as well as some other friends of mine, to do um, act as a board of directors for my students' presentations, which scared them to death, right? (laughs) Good. (laughs) I know they need that. (laughs) They need it because, and I tell them, I tell them, you know, it's better for this to happen now while you're in school uh, rather than it being your first time in front of a real boss, right?
1: And so we, And we were, went easy on them. <laughs> I mean, I hope they weren't scared by that because imagine <laughs> what the real world's like.
2: Yeah. So, I, well, when your guys' group, I think one of them uh, had, a, had a little bit of a hard time, but the rest of them took it pretty well. Um, but I thought you – I think every time, and I've done this several times uh, – you know the the people i bring in they give great feedback and i wish that just like you you know 25 years ago when i was in school i i wish that i had that absolutely you know i wish i had uh, somebody who was pretending to be my boss come in and you know act like that and and tell me exactly what i was needed to hear i would have i probably would have excelled a lot faster than what i did right
1: i certainly <laughs> would have been more engaged than i was right yeah. <laughs> perhaps I may not have stayed out all night like, like like Colin had shared with us that he may have done last night. <laughs>
2: Is that why he's not on the phone?
1: <laughs> I guess the other question I have, again, I've never built a course. Might be in process of doing that now. But uh-huh. how how do you go about building a project management course, right? I think you had mentioned that the, these universities didn't have project management courses Previously, right. So how do how do you do that, right? And again, I don't, you don't have to share all the the secret formula that you have. There's no
2: secret formula. I think we way. all do yeah. it the same. I mean, I, I think all the I, the courses are. You know, there's only a few really good textbooks out there for project management. Kirzner is one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, and and I'm not saying we base it on textbooks because you know we're practitioners. We're not uh, like the most. You know. I'm not going to say it. Okay, so we're practitioners, so we we practically build classes. And yeah. the the most difficult part is to figure out what order you put things in. So what order should they be learning these things because as, you know, somebody who has a lot of experience managing projects, for me it all comes together at once right? So how do I how do I teach them in the right order? So what do they need to learn first and then second and third? And the way that we really did that, we uh, I was part of the team that architected the project management uh, certificate program at, at the UW, University of Washington. Forget I'm in Phoenix. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've only been here for a year, by the way. And <laughs> um, And we just spent a lot of time talking to, uh, outside, uh, outside sources. And I'm now on their advisory board. So we had a, we had a lot of people like me, advisory board members that we could talk to who were leaders in the industry, um, and really find out what they wanted their, what they wanted students to learn. Because obviously they're the ones that are going to be hiring our students. And so that's, that's really where we went was, what do you want them to learn? Right, and so then we took that and had a lot of conversations about how you uh, how how we were going to um, sequence the the program and and what content needed to be in there because there's so much content even nine months isn't long enough, um, but yeah we we definitely had to make use of a lot of stakeholders a lot of uh, subject matter experts because we don't know everything right that's one thing I had to learn.
1: <laughs> well, what's great though is your. You're creating it based on the need, right? Right, as opposed to again, that, again, I've not written a textbook either, but you're you're using practical experience from leaders in the industry to help shape how to teach based on what their needs will be when that student becomes an employee. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean that's fantastic, right? right? I mean how how great is that? Um, what I wonder is how do students how, how prepared are they, I guess? Have you gotten feedback from students who've graduated, moved into a career now, and then come back to you and say, hey, thanks, you know, or maybe not? But but what does that look like? They
2: don't ever thank me.
1: (laughs) You know, how is is it working from preparing them for those roles? Uh,
2: Well, so it depends. Uh, the, the undergraduate students have never heard of project management. Mm, and yeah. uh, the, some of them end up uh, finishing the course wanting to be project managers, which I think is great. I told my program director, that's my goal, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to turn out, churn out more project managers um, out of the business school. Uh, and the in the certificate, the continuing studies, you get a wide range of experience. So you have the people who have been project managers and just want more... Um, something more on their resume. And then you have people who are just starting out and uh, have, you know, no experience whatsoever in project management. Um, So we have to deliver to both audience, to all audiences. Mm -hmm. And so some of them are bored, you know, for a while in the course or in the program because they, it's too easy. It's something they already know that they do every day. Um, But we can't, We can't tailor it to one audience or the other unless we want to say specifically, you have to have 10 years of experience before you can take this program, right? And then that just cuts off a huge audience. And we want to have uh, a community of learners, so Mm -hmm. more experienced learners versus less experienced. And then they end up being mentors within the classroom, which I think is a great experience for them. That's the hardest part about teaching is the different levels of students, and you want them all to end at the same at the same endpoint, right all sure. all of them knowing the same thing having the same skill set but it's a huge challenge yeah yeah
1: well you had you had mentioned one of our key words which is mentor so i'm going to take a, a moment <sighs> here to talk about vpmma again a little bit more
2: let's do it
1: so vpmma is not a mixed martial arts uh, program, <laughs> uh, although you may need to have some of those skills to be a successful project manager. But it's the Veteran Project Manager Mentoring Alliance. And the program, well, it's not a program. Now it's a nonprofit organization. You can learn more about it by going to the thevpmma.org. There's uh, the website to go out there. But it's for active duty service members, veterans, and their spouses to be able to get mentoring from professional project managers on how to transition or advance their project management career post-service duty.
2: Fantastic.
1: So, so as as you were talking there about these students, what I've come to learn over my approximate two years working with the, the military and, and organizations that are veteran-based is the – all branches of the military are teaching project management without calling it project management yep. because they have to go work on missions. Mm-hmm. It's they a have, mission. They have roles, they have duties, uh-huh. they have responsibilities, but it's their own language, mm-hmm. and it's their own culture and their own expectations. They then transfer out of the military, come into the civilian workforce, and they start talking project management in their terms. And in our mentoring program, what we do is we help those uh, service members make that transition, right? Or if they're in their current career and they're looking to advance, we mentor to help them do that. So for all folks who are project managers with experience and you want to give back in our community, which all of us should be doing Mm -hmm. uh, to help advance our profession, you can go out to the the vpmma.org, sign up to be a mentor. We have a steady stream of veterans that are out there signing up, seeking mentoring, seeking guidance, and we want to be able to support them and give back to them. In addition to that, we've developed some great partnerships along the way. And one of them is with IIL. We talked about Dr. Mm -hmm. Kirzner, who works for IIL. And IIL will be hosting... International Project Management Day in November. Uh, Eric Wright and I are the co-founders of VPMMA, and we're actually flying up in September to tape our segment that's going to air during that conference. So uh, thank you to IIL, Judy Umless, and Dr. Kersner have been guests on the show. And through that relationship we've built, we have formed this great partnership now where VPMMA is getting this great exposure and IIL has been extremely generous. You can, uh, if you're an active duty or a veteran or a spouse, you can go out to IIL.com. You'll see a link there for International Project Management Day Conference, which is going to come up in November. And you can use promo code VPMMA and you attend for free. Wow. No cost for service members, veterans, spouses to attend that training. Love it. So thank you to IIL. For everything they're doing to support not just our industry, right, but also um, the veterans that are out there. Love it. So that's my commercial. I could talk about VP MMA all day long, uh, and I'll be talking about it a lot more <laughs> at the the golf event and then also at the IIL event. So stay, um, if you're listening, right, stay tuned to that and and go in and help organizations with that.
2: I have to say that military, ex-military members have always been my best students. In project management, and when I start to talk about risk management, they teach me. Yeah. So they're fantastic.
1: Well, and again, <laughs> <They're>
2: fantastic.
1: <laughs> we both, you know, have relationships with individuals who yes, are former military, absolutely. so we understand that. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think the thing to recognize is, in the military, everybody's trained to uh, to perform at the highest level possible. Right. Because really, failure presents a problem. Yep. Missions have to go well because you're dealing with life and death situations. Mm -hmm. And another thing we've found through our mentoring is the struggle into the civilian world for these service members where the civilians may not have the same dedication or commitment to the cause. Right. And they may not be be performing collectively at the same level they were in the military. And they have to integrate into that team. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's often a challenge, right? And they're and they've lost the uh, authority and direct responsibility. Where it's you're told to do something, and you right. did it in the military based on rank. In the organization, you may sure. you may not have the rank, and folks may not want to do what they've been asked to do. So, the influencing and motivating skills that may not have been necessary in the military are certainly more important to them in the civilian world. And that's where the mentoring program helps, right? As we get out there, we talk, we bring culture and language and s- skills and techniques, interviews. In the military, you may not be interviewing that's, for your next assignment, that's right?
2: Absolutely great.
1: But in in the real world, you, you have, have to, to interview. interview. So a lot of our mentors have talked about doing mock interviews with their, their veterans. So right, it's been a great experience and teamwork
2: uh, too. They're really good at teamwork.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, listen, if I have two people who are both comparatively strong on their resume, and one was a military and pat or a veteran, former military, and the other is not, I'm probably going to lean towards the veteran because mm-hmm. of the commitment to service, right? Team over self, commitment, and dedication to excellence, and to me, um, that's what I want on my team. I want yeah, strong individuals I agree. like that. I
2: agree. I mean. That, um somebody else you probably have to bring along and, and get them there. The military, their guys or, or girls are already there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So that was my commercial about VP yeah, We'll it. get back to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, hanging on me on that. But anytime anybody says mentoring, I always jump in. You got to jump VPMMA. in with your yeah.
2: commercial. I love it.
1: All right. So back to, um, I don't want to focus everything you do on, or our discussion on training because that's not all you do. Right, you do more beyond just the teaching and instruction.
2: Right, it's a large part of what I do. Yes. yes. But,
1: but there's Hildebrand Solutions, right? Uh-huh. That's out there uh, right. doing consulting work. Do you want to share a little bit about that as well?
2: Sure. So uh, I've I've done a lot of consulting about uh, twenty years worth, like I said in my introduction. And in the last ten years, I've really focused on project management. So now I'm at the point where where uh, I've got a program, you know, that I've sort of built where I go into an organization and um, who's at what we call a low maturity level. So, you know, no processes, no standardization, nothing around project management. We're doing one-off projects, right? I build simple solutions for them to start standardizing project management. And when I say simple, I mean, we're not talking about a huge guide um, guidelines and um, books about, or, you know, like guidebooks or yeah. manuals about how to manage a project. Uh, and we're talking about uh, just bringing us up a little bit in our processes and um, starting to do things the same way. Maybe creating the same me- uh, one methodology or at least one methodology per department, mm-hmm. um, and getting towards in what I call what Kirzner calls. I love Kirzner, What he calls informal project management. Where uh, we have the support, um, but we manage our projects the way we know how to do it. So as a project manager, uh, if I want to use Outlook tasks to manage my schedule, that's what I do. Mm. Um, I manage my team the way I want to manage my team. um, But I do have, you know, certain things that I have to do for the organization because, of course, as an organization, we need to collect data. We need to do things, um, you know, some process is the same. Um, to be more efficient. And, you know, you and I talk a lot about project's drive strategy. So, uh, you know, we need to ensure that we're doing that. So, yeah.
1: And then you talked about this all recently at the local Phoenix PMI Mm -hmm. chapter recently. Is this something you're looking to share in other chapters? And and Absolutely.
2: Would love to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and share a little bit more about what that talk was specifically to, in case anyone's out there listening oh, okay. and they're from so, the, uh, you know, the San Diego <laughs> chapter. And they're like, hey, we want to <laughs> know more I'll, about I'll that. I'll go to
2: San Diego, no problem. Yeah, My favorites, well, one of my favorite cities. I have a lot of favorite cities. So I took about an hour at the PMI Phoenix chapter to walk uh, the folks there through my methodology about how I do this in an organization. So starting out talking about... And we're going to bring up Kirzner again. Dr. Kirzner, I actually use his model uh, to um, look at an organization, perform an analysis of the organization, and then uh, use uh, his model again to uh, work up what kind of actions we need to take in order to get a little bit more mature Um, in our project management uh, methodology and processes. And then I walk them through the steps that I take. So there's about nine steps that I take um, with an organization. And usually you'll get um, to about the third level. You know, the fifth level is where you have the centers of excellence and we're driving um, strategy through our projects, things like that. Uh, Most organizations are good with a singular methodology for a while. Uh, so that's where I want to get them. And I walked through the steps on how I do that. And it was it, an interesting talk. Uh,
1: yeah, it was, it was a good presentation. I think everybody enjoyed that. And again, it's it's a different perspective to have somebody who's an educator and also right. a consultant to bring both of those worlds together to present that to a chapter full of people of varying levels of experience. Right. right? And, and right. also not just project management experience, but PMO leadership experience. Right. And as you said, this may not be for the highly advanced PMO. Right. But an organization who may not have any formal project management. Right. They have to start somewhere and and this is a great opportunity to work with you to help them do that.
2: Yeah. I mean small business or mid-sized business that hasn't done anything to standardize their project management and wants to. Who's realized, you know, that uh, becoming more efficient and standardizing their project management will help them drive strategy. And that's really where we want to be, right? Um, And if we're doing one-off projects, and you and I talk about this all the time, if we're doing one-off projects, how do we collect the data? How do we know what we're doing? How do we know how that project is doing and... Um, what kind of results it's getting? So we want to get to a point where we can um, use our projects to get better at what we do.
1: Yeah, and of course, I think every organization has accidental project managers yeah. out there. Yes, and we, you know, we also get data from the pulse of the profession that projects are only successful at best fifty percent of the time. So you take fifty percent failure on formal project management. And then accidental project managers who are probably failing more than that. And if you're not capturing that data, how do you improve? Right. Um, So, to me, the same with our within the PMO squad practice, right? We're looking to capture data to make informed decisions.
2: Right. Um,
1: And a lot of organizations out there are great at tracking sales, right? They're great at (laughs) tracking manufacturing, (laughs) right? But they're not really good at tracking delivery performance. Yeah. And that's where we really want to help organizations get stronger at that
2: right, and accidental project managers that's how we get a lot of our practitioners, right, yeah. so i'm okay with that um you're really good at your job, you must be a good project manager, right
1: right so <laughs> <laughs> how it happened for me right I
2: didn't
1: my boss told me asked me how the project was going, and I was like, the what I have no idea what you're talking about, but little did I know right? If we think back to my whole life that's what i've always done, you know we just had the board of directors meeting for VPMMA a few weeks back, and everybody introduced themselves because it was our first board meeting. And everybody was saying, I've been a project manager for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. And I said, I've been a PM for 51 years. (laughs) I I didn't know it maybe the first 20, but that's what I was doing. I mean, that's just the way my brain works, Uh as if it's an organized communicating method, right? Right. I mean, that's how I operate. My wife's not always happy with that, but it's, You know, it's just the way we're wired.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: So we're getting close to wrapping up the show and obviously Colin didn't rejoin us. Um that's oh. a technology thing, so we'll work to get Colin rescheduled at another time. Unfortunately, I was really excited to see the dynamic between <laughs> Deborah and Colin because both of them are uh outgoing and type A personalities, and I think it would have been a, a really fun show. So maybe we'll have Deborah come back and have I'd this show to. at another I'll come time.
2: Back. Hang out with Colin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, Deborah, if there' anything else that maybe we haven't covered that you want to hit on or ways that folks can get in touch with you if they have questions or want to have you come talk to their organization?
2: Sure. Uh, it, the, probably the easiest way is to go to my website, which is hildebrandsolutions.com. And you can reach me there. I've got um, a list of things that I do specifically what we have talked about today. Um, and just know, you know, if you have me come and train um, your organization, I, I do make an effort to learn your organization before I even think about how to train um, your staff. So that's um, one thing where I am a little bit different than most corporate trainers. My clients are always, are always surprised to hear that that's included in the price, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, that's important to me. I like to be effective. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's awesome. So, thank, again, thank you so much for being on and, and Thanks also… Thanks for having me. …dealing with our uh, technology challenge and, and not having your co-host on here, your co-guest well, on. Well,
2: I got to talk the whole time. How exciting is that? <laughs> well, I knew that wouldn't be a problem. We,
1: we've worked together long enough. I knew we'd be able to carry the show.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and for our listeners, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, our next show will be Thursday, September 5th. We're going to have Andy Jordan joining us from Honduras. And Ray Reagan will be here in studio. We also have a great lineup of guests coming up. Throughout the year, Barbara Troutline, I had mentioned she'll be coming on, as well as Rich Maltzman, Jim Stewart, Laura Burford, Carol Osterweil will be joining from England, um, and a whole bunch more, of course. Also, a reminder, these shows are recorded, so be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours, uh, podcast on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, whatever it may be. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, PM Master Prep and the PMO Squad. Don't forget the fantastic offer that PM Master Prep is offering. If you go out to their website, pmmasterprep.com, use promo code Joe, and you will get 20% off of all their services. And also, of course, from the PMO Squad, in addition to the purpose-driven PMO, they can satisfy all your project management needs and challenges, whether it be staffing, training, implementing your PMO, and of course, the purpose-driven PMO is at the core of what we do. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours.